Selwood, Selwood, you bloody beauty! The outside of the boot, and they get around him. I think they know. These are beautiful scenes. Yes, they were great scenes. That's the big story of today. Of course, it's been very well covered here on SEN, the fact that Geelong champion Joel Selwood announced his retirement from the AFL days after winning his fourth premiership and really prompting a flood of tributes from fans and rivals alike. Uh, The Cats' all-time games record holder was mobbed by teammates after kicking, as you heard in the call, that fourth-quarter goal in what many believe was the first sign of the 34-year-old club champion's decision. After 355 games for Geelong across 16 AFL seasons, including premierships in 2007, two years later, 2009, two years after that, 2011, and then 11 years after that in 2022, Selwood becomes the third club captain to retire on a flag-winning note. He'd spoken with Geelong football manager Stephen Hocking about it before the home-and-away season ended, but it wasn't until the morning of their Round 23 match against the Eagles that he broke the news to head coach Chris Scott. I actually saw the press conference that was conducted around about midday our time today that had Stephen Hocking, Joel Selwood and Chris Scott all in attendance. It was, it was a brilliant press conference. It really was very warm, very personal. Joel spoke very well. And I thought Chris Scott probably showed a lot of emotion. That You could just sense how close the coach and the captain were uh, as a pair and how much they basically manoeuvred Geelong with Selwood being captain of the club since 2012 to their success, of course, last weekend. We'll feature a bit more of uh, Joel Selwood uh, a bit later on. Just some news, and you may have heard it uh, in the run home with the boys, the fact that Richmond star Jack Graham has been caught out uh, entering Port Adelaide's headquarters after saying he was only visiting family down there in Adelaide. He flew into the South Australian capital and reportedly said he wouldn't be touring any clubs. But today he was seen entering the Powers facilities and being taken around by coach Ken Hinckley. The in-demand Tigers star looks to be the Powers' number one target now after Josh Dunkley announced Brisbane as his uh, club of preference over the Power. And this is why Josh decided to pick the Lions. It was obviously a, a tough decision and something that I had to think about a lot. At the end of the day, I feel like it's a good lifestyle decision for me and obviously exciting list up there in Brisbane to play alongside the likes of Lockie Neal and, and Huey McCluggage and guys like that. And I feel like there's a bit of an area for me. Definitely didn't make me second guess. Um, I've spoken to Fags myself and, yeah, I mean, everyone had backing him in. All the news reports have been backing him in. And I'm, from what I've had to do with him so far in such little time, he's such a good human being and someone that's really cared for me already. So I'm really looking forward to building that relationship with him and, and getting out there and meeting everyone. Bad blood at all. The work that they've done for me and Bevo as a coach and, and the, the whole um, footy club in general has been incredible. You know, I'm going to the BNF tomorrow night, so I'm really looking forward to celebrating the season with everyone and, and yeah, saying my farewells. Yeah, well, he's been wanting to get out of the Bulldogs for two years and uh, there's no question he's got a pretty handsome contract to go up to the Brisbane line, so money talks, as we often say. And he mentioned... Chris Fagan there, who's got a lot of respect for. Who knows how that plays out? We'll talk more about that a bit later on because the four-time premiership coach, Alistair Clarkson, has grave concerns for the fairness 
of the impending investigation into his behaviour at Hawthorne. As I said, we'll have more on that uh, a bit later on. That sports update was brought to you by Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. You can join us anytime on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Bedshed experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Or the Scarborough Toyota open line. The number to call is 13 12 55. What have I got coming up tonight? Well, after the break, uh, last night we spoke to the Claremont uh, WAFL grand final coach in Ashley Prescott. Tonight we speak to Darren Harris. And I'm going to ask the question whether the fire still burns in the uh, stomach after he was unceremoniously dumped as coach of Claremont after they went to the grand final and were beaten by South Fremantle. And it was just staggering that he took the Tigers all the way to the grand final. They just fell short. It was a a terrific final at Fremantle Oval. Claremont got beaten by under a goal, and yet he was dumped as coach. And I'm going to ask him the question whether he'd love to get a bit of sweet revenge on his former WAFL club. Uh, I'm not sure how he's going to answer it, but uh, keep listening because I will be firing the question. Also, last night we had the Sandover medal and it was the WA Football Hall of Fame and a gentleman by the name of John Jerovich, who is 84 years of age. I tried to get Jero on, but he's uh, pretty private. He doesn't like speaking too much in public and particularly on radio. So I'm going to speak to another gentleman who's the same age, played with Jerovich. They started at South Fremantle in the same year, 1955. The gentleman that I'll speak to won a Sandover medal, the youngest ever at the age of 17. I'm talking about John Todd. And Todd is going to talk to us about John Jerovich. And also, I might even ask him a couple of questions about uh, the history of the Sandover medal. So Toddy, always great to listen to. He's going to join us a bit later on as well. So that's all coming up. Uh, stay with us. Uh, this is a Drive with Peter Vlahos, all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. We'll come back with Darren Harris next on the program. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Doing all right. Last night here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, we spoke to the coach of the uh, Claremont Footy Club in Ashley Prescott. And I must admit, Claremont have been very good in the last couple of weeks, broadcasting the game for the SENWA network. They've probably saved their best football for the finals campaign. Impressive winners in the first semi-final over Peel. And, of course, again, a very good first-half performance. That was enough to get over East Fremantle last weekend. So it's all set for the grand final at Leederville Oval, the spiritual home of West Perth. Isn't it ironic that all three grades for West Perth, that is the Colts Reserves and League, are in the GF this Saturday, and they're going back to play the GF at their spiritual home, where some of the greats of the West Perth Football Club actually play. We're talking about Leederville Oval. And, of course, heading the charge back to Leedy is Darren Harris, uh, the coach of the Falcons. Darren, thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here, mate. Uh, In fact, I got a call from Johnny Wynn this morning, one of the legends of the West Perth Footy Club, Darren. And I know that he says there's a big past players reunion 
at Kalis's restaurant there, just around the corner from Leederville Oval. Up to 50 or 60 past players will assemble before going to Leederville Oval. And, of course, for those past players, it was Leederville Oval that uh, they've got the greatest memories of their playing careers. I gather it's something special about going to where West Perth were renowned for before going to Arena Joondalup. Yeah, that, that group of men um, are part of a coffee club that, that catch up every second Monday in Mount Hawthorne. And um, I've been to a few of those coffee clubs uh, coffee club catch-ups and it's just a, a who's who of the West Perth footy club's history and you know you'd imagine when you go there and there's you know there's all the names that I could name and you, you, <laughs> you mentioned win, you mentioned windows there but then you got you know Billy Dempsey and Mel Winnan and Alan Watling and you just the, the list goes on it's it's like a who's who um, and so all of those all of those past champions and, and people that have been involved in the footy club, that they'll just love getting together and walking across to, to Leederville Oval and, and having some really fond memories of their times playing for the West Perth Footy Club at, at what was our home for, you know, nearly 80 years. It's interesting. John Wynn also said to me in the conversation when I spoke to him this morning, he said, Peter, we're all very aged gentlemen. And, of course, you've got to buy your tickets online these days to get admission into the grand final. He says, we don't know how to do it. And also the other thing that we've got a problem with is getting up the Leaderville Oval grandstand stairs. You reckon some of our limbs are not what they used to be. So he says, we've got two challenges going to the grand final on Saturday. I think they'll find a way. Uh, <laughs> and I think, the, and I, think, I think the club will help them. And, and when they get to that oval again... I'm imagining, I'm imagining them fighting up those stairs um, with all the memories and the adrenaline. So, yeah, it's it's just a fantastic group of men, and you know, I think I think it's it's the reason that, that West Perth have such a great culture is if you look at the leaders um, through our era, they were really really humble. Um, you know, to to do what Mel Winnan and Bill Dempsey have done in their careers and still be all about others. Um, uh, they have a family. Um, perspective on on the footy club. Uh, it's just they've been great leaders in the past, and and I think they've passed on the tradition. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about Mel Winnan because I spoke to him a couple of times. Certainly when Billy Dempsey was inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame, and he says, Peter, are people interested in us anymore? You know, we're dinosaurs of the past. And I said to Mel Winnan, I said, Well, mate, uh, you must be pretty special because you and Billy, of course, share a grandstand at the West Perth Football Club. Their legacy and their heritage will never be forgotten, will it? No, that, that's the word for me, legacy. And, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to, you know, in, in 92, turn up as a country boy from Wodonga. And, um, you know, West Perth were a massive part of me uh, being able to build my self-esteem and belief in myself. And so... It's fantastic to be able to come and, and give something back. And I know how much they've given back. And um, I think you get to that age where you're trying to do the same thing. And if I can do half as good a job as what those blokes have done, you know, I'll uh, I'll sleep well at night. Yeah, let's go to the present. Last night, the Sandover medal. Uh, your thoughts on it? Luke Meadows, certainly the leading vote getter for the West Perth Footy Club. Yeah, our blokes, you know, uh, I think the great thing for us is, yeah, I think Luke Meadows had a fantastic year. His leadership's been great. It's been enormous having him back at the club. But I think the thing that I loved was how many blokes from the West Perth Footy Club got votes. And that's what we've sort of been all about. Um, 
you know, every player playing his role for his footy club um, and doing the best he can. And, and Luke's done that um, and so have all those other blokes that, that got their votes. But uh, Bockhurst was a, was a great winner. You know, I thought his speech and the way he articulated himself was excellent and you can see he's, he's feeling pretty good about his footy club at the moment. Yeah, it's amazing that he missed the last month of the season and still got enough votes uh, to take off the prestigious Sandover medal. Let's go to uh, the big one on Saturday. It gets underway at 3 o'clock. What does it mean for the West Perth Football Club? I think what, what the great things would be this week is that the Colts aren't left out. The reserves aren't left out. It's not all about just the league because... Of course, all teams will take part, which is quite a unique. And I spoke to Neil Fong about a week or so ago, the president of the Falcons. He says this is the first time this has happened at the club. Yeah, in 131 years, to finish three teams on top and then go straight into a grand final, it's the first time it's ever happened. And um, I think it goes back to, you know, we talked about those past players. Um, but, at the, you know, in, in November last year, we, we got Gavin Bell in to the footy club um, with Josh Pullman and they ran a, a, a full club, um, I guess, values day. And, and we, we sat at tables and there was, you know, the women's, the new women's teams, there was the Colts team, development coaches, players across all levels, um, plus all the um, past players and officials that were invited. So, you know, there's a room of 80-odd people and we told our stories about what the West Perth footy club meant to us. And from there, we'd build a set of values that, that have been entrenched for a long period of time, but we're able to narrow our focus on, on what really made the West Perth Footy Club tick. And I think what that's done is, is enabled us to, to be really connected as one club throughout the year. So when you talk about three teams making it, it's, it's the contribution of so many, everyone just doing their little bits. And, um, you know, I, I know with the league and the development coaching staff, we've been really tightly knit and, and we've stayed connected with Ryan Lascott and his team as well. So I think, I think that, uh, that contribution by so many has enabled us to have an opportunity to do something which is pretty special. Okay, what about Mark Hutchings? Of course, came back after his stint at the West Coast Eagles, nominated West Perth as his waffle club. He's been there, had a couple of injuries. Will he get up, do you think, for the game on Saturday? No, I informed him yesterday he won't be playing. I uh, said that our match committee, we met with our medical staff and we couldn't take the risk, um, which is unfortunate for Mark. He's, uh, he's such a ripping fella. Um, but but I'm sure, you know, like the the next night, uh, that night after telling him in the morning he turned up, he trained, he was helping other people, he was in our team meeting. You know, that's just the type of bloke he is. But I think, think Peter, if you saw the, the AFL games on the weekend yeah. um, and the risk was taken by one and not by another and um, I think, you know, we, we've, we've had all the testing done and he's got a five-centimetre tear, tear in his in his hamstring. So as much as he might be able to functionally get through, it's too much of a risk to be one down in a grand final. I know there was a couple of uh, senior players and also yourself and others viewing Claremont last week at East Fremantle Oval. I said to Ashley Prescott actually on the program last night, I reckon they're playing their best football of the season and now they're racking up back-to-back wins. So the scene is set for a beauty on Saturday. Yeah, I think think what ends up happening... um, is that the, traditionally the, the best two teams end up playing in a grand final. And, you know, that's the case this weekend. So, 
you know, for us, we, we've just got to be able to control what we can control. Um, you know, we, we we understand that their their mindset and how they're feeling about themselves at the moment um, is really good. They're playing some really quality footy. They've, they've shifted a few players around positionally. Um, they're feeling confident. They're going at the game. So, yeah, we, we're going to have to be at our best, but that, that's what you want in a grand final. Um, you know, so we'll control what we control. We'll, we'll go out and try and do what we've been able to do all year that's enabled us to finish on top of the ladder. Looking at uh, the game, of course, you need to hit the scoreboard, and that is so important, something that East Fremantle didn't do last week against Claremont or Peel the week before. Saying that, you've hit the scoreboard fairly regularly, but it's interesting with West Perth, you haven't blown sides away. Now, Mitch Pearce and, of course, Mitch Dobson have been two key focal points for you. How important are they to make sure they hit the scoreboard this week? Yeah, I think, you know, Mitch Pierce kicked a couple of goals as a midfielder. Uh, Mitch Dobson's been really good for us up forward, um, you know, and he just gives us a little bit of X factor, uh, Mitch. But, again, if you go through and you look at um, us over the course of the year, we, we haven't had, you know, the one or two blokes that we've been relying on to kick goals. There's been a really good spread. I think in our first final there was 10 or 11 goal kickers, and, and that's the way we go about it, you know. We're... Everyone will take their opportunity when they get it. Um, you know, I think we're second in the comp just behind South Fremantle for scores against, so we're really back in our system. Um, and we know that Claremont are going to come at us uh, with the way they play and the way they go at the game and run hard forward. So, yeah, it's going to be a cracking grand final, mate. No, it'll be a beauty. Really looking forward to it. Saying that, we know what happened to Darren Harris when he was coaching the Tigers, and people were just shocked with what transpired at the end of that season. Of course, then you ended up at West Perth. Does it still burn in your guts or have you forgotten about it? Yeah, mate. Like, <laughs> I've been coaching for 25 years, um, you know, and, and you win some, you lose some, but, but your eyes are wide open, you know. So everything's in, uh, open to interpretation. And, and for me, I, I just get on with it pretty quickly, mate. Um mm. You know, so uh, the, the whole story uh, at the moment is about, you know, um, there's going to be what? There's going to be 67 blokes running around for the West Perth Footy Club on, on Saturday, and it's about them. You know, we're, we're the ones that come out and provide um, the guidance and the support and empower them to get out there and do the best job they can. And that's what the story's about this week. It's, it's all about them and what they do. So... Yeah, that, that's my complete focus yeah. is, is the West Perth Footy Club. But you can't be dismissive of the fact that the coach is so important in being the sort of co-leader, the off-field leader of this footy club, getting the players, making sure they gel, make sure the culture's properly, and make sure they enjoy playing with each other. But saying that, uh, as I let you go, would it be a real sweet success for you if you beat Claremont this week in relation to what transpired I know what the answer is going to be, but there must be a bit of that, Darren. Peter, you know, like, tell me <laughs> someone who hasn't enjoyed winning a grand final. Yeah. Tell me someone who hasn't enjoyed it. <laughs> I agree. I don't know of anyone. And so, for me, um, if you win it, yeah, it'll be fantastic. Absolutely. And if you don't, you'll pick yourself up and you'll go again. That's, that's just the way it is. 
that you've spoken very well. You almost be a politician once you give away footy. Well done, that Darren. A really nice having a chat to you. As I said, everyone's pumped. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. I reckon uh, the crowd will rally. It'll be uh, a capacity there at Leederville Oval, and I reckon they'll make some noise as well. And I gather, I think, because of uh, going back to Leederville, that maybe the Falcon supporters slash Cardi supporters slash Garlic Munchers will all come out in great numbers. Thanks for your time, mate, and good luck on Saturday afternoon. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Paddy. Go well, mate. Darren Harris, the coach of the Westport Footy Club. I had to ask those couple of questions at the end about Claremont. I reckon there still is the, the fires burning in the belly again uh, after what transpired, taking him to a grand final and then being ceremoniously dumped as coach of Claremont. We're going to take a break. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. This is a Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Yeah, surely John Todd's going to join us to tell us a bit more about John Jerovich. Uh, of course, his statue is immortalised down there, just on the roundabout outside Fremantle Oval, where he took uh, one of the greatest ever marks in Aussie rules football on the shoulders there of Ray French, the East Fremantle player. I think it was in the 1956 WA NFL, as was known there, preliminary final. But Toddy... I was talking to him earlier today. He reckons uh, because a lot of the marks weren't captured in that era, in the 50s, he reckons he took even better ones than the one that's uh, set in bronze outside Fremantle Oval. Looking forward to having a chat to JT, who, by the way, at 84 years of age, is the same age of John Jerovich, who was elevated to legend status in the WA Football Hall of Fame last night. On the SMS, speaking about last night, hey, Peter, I mentioned uh, it this morning to Goss about Michael Mitchell's story last night. Of course, uh, was inducted in the WA Football Hall of Fame, the Claremont champion, about the BP card. Well, reportedly, yeah, the BP card, he got that for, I think, taking either the goal of the year or the mark of the year and got a BP card where he could take his vehicle and fill it up with fuel. But reportedly, he just didn't fill it up with fuel. He basically bought everything that was available in the BP petrol stations those days and racked up a a heck of a bill. Uh, And the next year, because he sort of did rack up a heck of a bill and he was smiling when he was talking about it. Uh, it was reduced to $5,000 for the goal or mark of the year. And I think Tim Gossage, who was conducting the WA Hall of Fame component of the Sandover Medal presentation last night, asked Michael Mitchell how much he reckons he may have racked up on the BP card because there was no ceiling. He said maybe about $30,000. So he did pretty well out of it. And they quickly uh, did change the dynamics of it the following year. Uh, Lisa at Ellenbrook says, Hi, Peter. Happy hump day. Yes, Wednesday to you and all the team here. Peter heard today that Chris Fagan the Brisbane Lions coach, uh, might be victim of mistaken identity. Could be more coming out in coming weeks, which is going to be very interesting indeed. There's a bit happening, isn't there, regarding uh, that part of the off-field AFL news where full-time premiership coach Alistair Clarkson has grave concerns for the fairness of the impending investigation into his behaviour at Hawthorne, believes that a just outcome may never happen due to the media coverage corrupting the process. He says the AFL investigate Hawthorne's treatment of Indigenous players after Clarkson, along with former Hawks footy boss Chris Fagan and staffer Jason Burt, were the subject of distressing allegations surrounding the club's handling of several AFL players and their families. 
Uh, this is what Damien Barrett had to say earlier today regarding what he's picked up regarding the Hawthorne investigation. I was surprised, I must admit, when Gillen did say last week that there was a hope to wrap it up in six to eight weeks. When when you line that um, need, and that, that, that is an element of it, we need to wrap this up from an industry perspective, but you can't wrap it up with the magnitude of allegation made. And it's not a stretch to say that these are the most serious allegations ever made about any person in the AFL system. Now, mm. obviously, that, is, that being the case, that the people who had, have had these claims made against them need and deserve the right to reply. They need and deserve the right to, to full legal natural justice. And none of that is ever done in a quick time frame. And, and here we are even a week after the story broke. Russell Jackson of the ABC was this time last week, Wednesday of last week, when we are all getting our heads around the contents of this reporting and then the realisation that the Hawthorne Footy Club also had had in its possession a report suggesting similar allegations. And, and, and now, a full week down the path of the time frame that Gillian McLaughlin said was hopeful to be completed within six to eight weeks, well, it's just not going to happen. And, and then what that means for pre-season resumption, well, those coaches, Alistair Clarks and Chris Fagan, will not be there for that. That's already a given given they've stood down from roles and I just don't see how they're going to be there at this early stage anyway and this is the speculative part about it and there's a lot of speculative parts about this but I just don't see them being there round one next year either. Okay uh, just tonight also we had the Brownlow medal count uh, last week well the Dally M medal night is on tonight to judge the fairest and best player in the New South Wales uh, Rugby League or I should say the National Rugby League of course they've got their grand final the Twilight Grand Final on Sunday should be a beauty between the two Western Suburbs clubs being Penrith Panthers and the Parramatta Eels. Ben Hunt, by the way, is the favourite to win the Dally M medal. Of course, the former Bronco, who's now part of the St. George Illawarra Dragons. So we'll see how that goes and we'll give you a wash-up. In fact, I'll probably preview the NRL Grand Final tomorrow on Drive with Peter Vlahos just after five o'clock. I'm looking forward to this. It should be an absolute beauty. And going back to the big story today regarding Geelong champion Joel Selwood, he conducted that press conference that I mentioned earlier, conducted very well. Chris Scott, the coach, was there. Steve Hocking, the CEO, was there of the Geelong Cats. And Chris Scott, the coach, was asked, now that Joel has retired, I suppose it may relieve any salary cap pressure or maybe would relieve a bit of money that could be paid to others that they're trying to bring in. This is what Chris Scott had to say. I'm going to say there won't be much cap space because Joel's finishing. In all seriousness. Oh, yeah. And again, without spelling it out, it speaks to the man. Yeah. Could have had us over a barrel. We would have paid him whatever he asked for. Yeah. But he never did. Never did. Exactly. Now, there you go, uh, Chris Scott, on uh, the salary that Joel Selwood, uh, the captain of the uh, John Cats, was taking out of the club. Uh, Joel himself said uh, one thing that he will miss is, of course, playing with his uh, teammates. It's the people you play with. It's the front row. It's the people you play with. They, I mean, and that's not a stat, but, well, Hawks is a stat. We played over 300 games together, but, which is ridiculous. But it's... Um, yeah, I can't put it into a, you know, a number thing for you, but I just love playing with boys.
And, of course, after the celebrations, he went to a local pub and reportedly lost his keys. And one of the ladies uh, who was working at the hotel offered to take him home because he couldn't find his keys to get home and into the house. Uh, her name was Emily, who was a P-Pay driver for more reports. And he, this was part of the press conference uh, this morning as well. There's a young P-Pay girl that had been uh, at the pub. Her name was Emily. Um... And I asked Emily if she could drop me home. And I jumped in the car and I asked her how her day was. And she she wasn't in the best of moods, to be honest. She, it was a busy day at the pub, Bowen Heads pub. And um, she didn't really pick up who I was uh, at the time. <laughs> she asked me how I da- my day was. And I said it was actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, she said, what did I get up to? I said, I actually uh, played in the game today. And uh, she still hadn't picked up who I was, which was a nice thing. Um, and then uh, she asked for my name and then she started swearing at herself. Um, we picked up the key, we drove back to the car and I told Emily that I actually have the cup in the car and would she like a photo? Um, and uh, she got her photo and uh, she drove back home to Geelong. So there you go. What a great story and what a great career comes to an end. 355 games, 16 AFL seasons, four premiership and becomes the third club captain to retire on a flag winning note. Well done, Joel Selwood. Uh, The uh, football community certainly bows to what has been an incredible career. John Todd's going to join us after the break. He was there, of course, won a Sandover medal, the youngest ever as a 17-year-old back in 1955. And he played alongside John Jerovich, who last night was elevated to legend status at the WA Football Hall of Fame. Looking forward to this next. Toddy joins us after the break. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos. And, of course, it was a special night last night. Uh, the Sandover medal... And, of course, uh, the inductees into the West Australian Football Hall of Fame. Now, there was one individual that was elevated to legend status. And he came from the South Fremantle Football Club. And a gentleman that knows him very well is another West Australian Football Hall of Fame legend. He was given the legend status back in 2004. And as we know, he's also in the Australian Football Hall of Fame, inducted back a year before that, actually, in 2003. One of the uh, living legends of uh, WA and Australian football and a man that knows John Jerovich, the man that was elevated to legend status last night, is John Todd. And John joins us on the program now. John, thanks for your time. Yeah, pleasure to talk. Uh, What was it like when you heard Jero's name announced as a legend of WA football? Well, it's been a long time coming, uh, Pete. It's very hard to, uh, you know, as far as legion status goes, because there's so many people's names get put up. But it was just fantastic that he was finally recognised as a legend because he is a true legend. Um, You know, he and I started our football together as 16-year-olds and... uh, you know, he's a very humble man, a very quiet man. He shuns the limelight. He's not uh, keen on putting himself out there all that much, but uh, he does a lot of work behind the scenes for people who are, you know, not travelling too well. But, um, yeah, so we started together in 54 in the cult, in the reserves grand final, as a matter of fact. We were brought up in the last moment because South had a a few players who were unavailable at the last minute. So 
that was our only grand final, uh, both of us. Uh, so it was pretty special when we look back in 54. We just walked in, played the game, and I don't think our names were even in the budget. You know, <laughs> because, uh, so, uh, yeah, that was the start of our uh, reign at South Fremantle. Yeah. You mentioned something, because I did ring uh, the Jerovich household earlier today and spoke to his partner, and he was out and about just dropping off requirements to needy folks. So it appears he's been a, a great good Samaritan for a lot of people in recent years. You and John are the same age. You are born both in 1938. And I know that you're very active in the community. I know that Gero is as well. Yeah, well, once again, he has um, a quality about him that... Uh, he, he, if he can do some small things for a lot of people, he's happy doing that. I know, and look, I admire him greatly. He's a, he's an unintrusive person. He wouldn't like anybody to highlight what he does behind the scenes. Um, he's a, yeah, he's a very gentle man, you know, really. But uh, it's very difficult to get hold of him for an interview, I can assure you. The only time I've, you're I've tried find... it. Let me tell you, I've tried it today and I thought, no, I'll respect him because, as you mentioned, he's not really comfortable with any of the limelight, is he? Yeah. Well, I can assure you, if you ever want to have um, a meeting with John... You... He always attends funerals, mate. You know, I run into John... All the time at funerals, he uh, never misses a funeral. He, mm. You know, he's just so passionate about, you know, the people before him. And, you know, he's just an unobtrusive man. It's, he's unique, really. He's yeah. a very unique person. What was he like as a footballer, John? Uh, you won a Sandover medal, as we know, as a 17-year-old back in 1955. And both of you played in the South Fremantle League side. You even captained him. When you're captain, I think, of South Fremantle uh, as well. Can you give us an idea of what we, he was like as a footballer? Was he a quiet character on the field like he has been off the field? Or was he a different person when he uh, put on the oh, South no, Fremantle red and white? Person. Yeah, well, once he crossed the line, he was um, full on as far as wanting to be the best he could possibly be. And naturally, he attracted a lot of attention from fullbacks and... But he didn't tolerate that uh, unfair treatment. He wasn't backward and handing a bit out. So, uh, but he, um, you know, when you talk about a high mark, he didn't need a run-up. He could just horizontally jump off one leg and sit on people's shoulders. He was um, uncanny. But he, he had a, a passion for his, even cricket. He played cricket. He played tennis. Any one of those sports, if he had taken it seriously, he would have reached uh, a very high standard. So uh, as far as his football goes with South Fremantle, it's a bit sad that he never played in the premiership side because we we joined, well, we, our first year was 55. They won in 54. And I think John retired in 69. Yeah. And they won a premiership in 1970. So it was... Um, a bit of a, a barren period for South Fremantle through our period uh, while we were there. But uh, nevertheless, I think the crowds were, would erupt with John. Um, I think I can remember it so clearly that a group of people and many people, supporters, would behind the goals that John was um, naturally uh, at 
and at quarter time they'd all moved to the other end of the ground uh, because uh, his marking was sensational. Like people talk about John Coleman being a great mark. You know, to be quite frank, I saw John Coleman play and he did take some great marks, but he never took marks like John Jerovich, I can assure you. He he was uncanny. He took a mark, uh, was never captured on camera, better than the one that's been highlighted uh, and the one that they have in front of Fremantle Oval, that bronze statue of his, which was a sensational mark. But I can assure you, he took a mark. Uh, we played West Perth and... He was playing on uh, Towner, the fullback for West Perth, ex-Victorian. And, uh, you know, Towner got a bit of a lift on the player in front of him and John was about three decks high. So if they <laughs> hadn't got hold of that one, mate, he... Uh, but that's that was the brilliance of the man, you know. He, uh, he was unique. He was... Uh, it's a bit sad he, he never went to Victoria. I would have loved to have seen him go to Victoria because... But did it, you know... Uh, Anybody who could take a big mark and kick a goal, uh, they were always highlighted in Victoria as, you know, great players. But in that, in, through that period, there was no money, there was no incentive, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a, a reason why you should leave Western Australia. Later on, that did happen with a number of players, but in the early 50s... Uh, I think they put the feeler out for him a couple of times, but he wasn't interested in going. So, uh, but that was a bit sad. I would have loved to have seen him gone, uh, go to Melbourne. Yeah, it was interesting actually. Uh, he was born in Spearwood, uh, market gardening country, like the Croatian heritage. I know Tom Grilicic is still a very, very good friend of John Jerovich, yeah. just like yourself. And there was a great photo last night that I saw uh, this morning of yourself and Jero together. How did he handle the mass crowd last night and when his name came out that he was elevated to legend status? Did he feel a bit uncomfortable? What was his reaction, John? Uh, no, I, I, I personally felt that he was uh, very pleased that he was acknowledged for his contribution to the sport. Um, it was great to see him there and look, his uh, household name and a lot of people gravitate to him and I think he had a wonderful night, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it was just great to see him open up and mix and mingle with people and people coming across and congratulating me. Yeah, I think he was pretty chuffed last night. I think that was one of the highlights that he'll remember for a long time. John, you were just a celebrated individual when it came to football. We've got a grand final happening at Leederville Oval in the WAFL this Saturday. And I got a call from, and I mentioned this earlier, from John Wynne. And of course, he gets, oh, yeah, Johnny yeah, he gets yeah. together with about 50 or 60 old Cardinals, Garlic Munchers, yeah. Falcon uh, past players, and they're all going to meet at Kalis's actually and then make their way to Leederville Oval. I tell you what, uh, it's their spiritual home, West Perth, regardless of what you think up at uh, Arena Joondalup. And I reckon a lot of the uh, West Perth faithful will really enjoy Saturday afternoon going back to Leederville Oval. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I, I, st I still call the Oval Leadable Oval when people are talking to me about yeah. uh, the fixtures. But uh, look, Johnny Wynn, getting back to Johnny Wynn, he's a, he was an out-and-out -out champion himself. And he's, his love of the game is infectious. And he was a great support for Graham Farmer, you know, when Polly was alive. And... Uh, He's, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve, Johnny Wynn, and he would no doubt, you know, get a number of West Perth people to uh, attend the game. 
and uh, he's another one that really uh, gets out there and gets players to support their their club, and they still call it West Perth. Yeah. And the garlic munches and so <laughs> forth that they used to have a name for, but uh, but when, when tradition sort of changes, it's it's so sad, Pete. You know, uh, and this is something we've all got to ex- accept that nothing stays the same. But you know, we like to think that um, Leaderville Oval is still Leaderville Oval. It's the home of West Perth, and uh, I think uh, people who attend the grand final on the weekend will. I agree with that, yeah. Mm. It's interesting, uh, Tony, just a couple of final questions. You talked about the humility of John Jerovich. It seems like that generation, including yourself, are pretty humble, yet you achieved enormous heights. Uh, I've spoken to Mel Winnan a couple of times and Billy Dempsey, who are just absolute legends of West Perth. And they, they said, people aren't interested in us anymore. You know, we're dinosaurs. And I keep saying to them... Really, the fabric of the WAFL wouldn't have been anything if it wasn't for individuals like them and yourself, Toddy. And really, the competition was built on your foundations, wasn't it, that generation? Uh, Well, I think we played in the best uh, period uh, as far as I'm concerned because there wasn't a lot of money and we had a lot of fun and... And uh, there were some great players, great teams, and uh, and crowds turned up, and uh, so uh, yeah, it was a good, it was a great period, really. Uh, there's there's one uh, uh, record that's never been highlighted with John, and I thought to myself, and I did a little bit of research that I felt that he was the youngest All Australian ever to be uh, chosen in a. Uh, as an All-Australian. And going back through the historians and so forth, and that is correct, he was 18 years of age and he's mm. still the youngest footballer ever to be named as an All-Australian. That, that was, was in, in 1956 in the Perth Carnival, wasn't it? Was it the Perth Carnival? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. He was an All-Australian in 1956 at the Perth Carnival. And, of course, you guys would have played together in 1961 at the Brisbane Carnival as well. Uh, we did, yeah. Yeah, we did. It was unfortunate in that 56th carnival. I got hurt uh, the week before that carnival, so uh, I sat in the stand and watched the great man play, and uh, as an 18-year-old named as an All-Australian, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, Toddy, it's been fantastic talking to you. Did you see the AFL Grand Final last weekend? I saw it, yeah, I did see it. And what, and, what are um, your thoughts on, because he's announced his retirement today, what do you think of the Geelong skipper Joel Selwood and what he's delivered to the game? Oh, well, his record speaks for itself, Pete. You know, he's he's been um, a legend for a long time at that club and he's, uh, he's a great leader of men and he'd be sadly missed, but... Uh, look, he's going out on the high. What more could he do, Pete? Yeah, you know, you're right. Like, uh, It'd be the downhill slide if he kept on going. And a lot of players don't have... Uh, they always believe they've got another year, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but to make a, a call on yourself is a, big, is a big call. Good on you, John. Thanks for joining us. Uh, really lovely to have a chat to you. I hope you're keeping well and uh, we'll keep in touch. Uh, look after yourself. Good on you, Pete. Good on you, Pete. Nice to talk. Cheers. Yes, John Todd giving his thoughts on Joel Selwood, if you haven't heard the news. Uh, no doubt it's been uh, a big news story this afternoon after it was announced around about midday our time. 355 games, four premierships with Joel Selwood has announced 
his retirement from the AFL. And that's where we draw the curtain down on the program today as well. I'll be back tomorrow from 5 o'clock here on SENWA for The Drive Show. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Have a great Wednesday night. See you tomorrow.